dark save for light being cast from the big tv screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning hey george hey lions how's it going uh dude this week been working like a maniac i don't know imagine I, I hate, though i hate everything you like <laughs> uh come on come on so so you you said maybe so here's the thing is that, you know, a lot of times we're, we're trying to figure out like what game to play. And this is our spooky title because we're pulling of the Simpsons. Yeah, and airing yeah we're, it you after. were recording this right. We're recording this on Halloween Eve Eve. Halloween, mm-hmm. Halloween Eve. Yeah. Right. All Hallows Eve Eve. Yeah. They won't get it till later. Right. Exactly. So, you know, we're, we're, we're pulling of the Simpsons, right? So we're trying to find a spooky title. And you texted me while... My son was having a meltdown and my daughter was getting swifty all over the living room floor or whatever, right? Like everything was going to hell. And you're like, maybe I can trick you into playing Maniac Mansion. And I was like, that sounds spooky. So I was like, sure, whatever, you know? And uh, and and just something in that moment. This is great because it's it's a lot like a horror movie. Something in that moment, <laughs> you know, like like I could hear the horror mu- movie music soundtrack playing. and And I was like, Ah, no, it's probably fine. So I, I guess it made me empathize more with movie victims because, you know, like, it's like, I, I'll just walk through this horrible, dark, <laughs> empty place on on the anniversary when all of those kids died. You know, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll definitely be fine. Um, I think the experience of a game for you shifts the tone a lot. Like, Say you hated Super Mario Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty colorful, like pretty silly. But if you hated that game, you would absolutely be able to explain why that is a terrifying horror game, mm-hmm. right? Because like, you know, your worldview only worldview. So the fact that this game like already starts from a place of it's supposed to be scary and spooky. If you and I don't know if you did, if you hated this game, then like this would have been like a, you know, unrated don't let don't don't play this movie in theaters where there's also a church because it'll make all the nuns heads explode kind of like that's your experience may have been disproportionately horrifying. Like I wanted like spooky, like what you do with Teddy, yeah. like spooky Halloween and and I'm wondering if I accidentally actually pulled you into the lake where all those teenagers drowned skinny dipping. So that's the thing is that, and, and I'm wondering where this lands on spectrum because I think especially for for horror sometimes it can go spooky scary and then like campy you yeah. know like if you push it too if you dial it up too far you end up with like thanks killing you know <laughs> or leprechaun yeah right or leprechaun <laughs> which one's leprechaun's in space the fourth one yeah it's always the fourth one yeah it's always the fourth one yeah. right yeah um <laughs> but uh what, what do we play uh, so we played Maniac Mansion, and specifically, we played this for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, yeah, one, because that's the version that I played. Mm-hmm. Two, sure. you had no dog in this fight, so you would you didn't vote. Like you, you... I, yeah, no, I I I one hundred percent abstained. Yeah. I should have voted. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but here's the thing: is uh, when I was grabbing the Wikipedia for this. Um, and to find the date, because this game came out for the NES in 1990, 
but this game originally came out in 87 and I was like, uh Oh, so because I knew this was a console port, what I didn't realize is one day the team at Lucas games, film, film games woke up and was like, what if we put this game everywhere? And because of the time in history that it was, that is meaningful. So like some people played this on a Commodore 64. Some people played this on an Apple II. Some people played this in DOS. We played it on a Nintendo. And those experiences are not interchangeable. Like the music is the same, but it's being produced by very different hardware. The graphics are attempting to be the same, but they're super not, right? So I say all that to say this, uh, we very specifically played the Nintendo version. So if you remember like the Apple II version or the DOS version or something, and you hear a comment that doesn't quite jive with your memories, that may actually not be nostalgia goggles. It may be because the versions are that different, like crazy, especially the visuals, crazy different. I mean, it does floor me that LucasArts flooded the market with a toy. But I, I know. I, that, it's just not not in character shock you know really yeah that's the true <laughs> horror right yeah Capitalism. not spooky <laughs> scary <laughs> uh so my nostalgia goggles for this game uh my experience was uh this game is just entirely associated with my older brother um as far as i know everyone else who played this game must have borrowed it from him uh they probably interviewed him for the nintendo power about this game like I just him and this game are like just completely intertwined in my brain. And I think that's interesting whenever we play a game like that, because I don't really associate him with video games generally, but there's just a few that he like SimCity for the Super Nintendo, right? Final Fantasy four for the Super Nintendo. Like there's just a few games that he somehow is like the avatar of that game on earth. And and this is this is one of them. Um, I suspect because this is a point and click adventure game. And at the time we would have had this game in our house, I was probably too young to really understand the puzzles and things. So I probably only ever played it with him because I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. I'm today years old and I still don't understand all the puzzles in this thing. So yeah, that there's going to be a lot to say about the, uh, <laughs> the design of point and click just, adventure games. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I'm just saying that if if you're if you're if you're pondering whether or not you were old enough to understand the mechanics as a five year old, <laughs> I can help you with that because I'm not saying that one of us is smarter than the other. I am saying that 36 year old me is probably smarter than probably smarter than five year old you. That, Hopefully, that, that's fair. That I feel like that's a reasonable enough assumption that we don't have to bust out the time machine and do experiments. <laughs> like go, go check it. it. I mean, if so, then then then. People should not have hired me for some of the jobs I've done in my career. If I have the intelligence of a five-year-old, no matter oh, how no, smart I, that I counterpoint, is. people should be hiring me for much more challenging jobs. I mean, probably both. <laughs> if this is true, right? <laughs> uh, so my nostalgia experience for this is, okay, so I don't know for sure if I played this game. I I don't think it was, but... um. I've definitely played a point and click adventure game. If not this one, one very similar to it uh, in after school care at school on the computer, you know, and we loved it. We had no idea what was going on, um, but we loved it. And and so uh, in lieu of something a little bit more meaty, uh, 
I, I remember I, this will come back to my nostalgia experience, but is I remember um, at one point I was talking to Megan and we've told the story before in the podcast before, but these are evergreen episodes um, where uh, uh, Megan was playing um, Mist, right? And she said to me like, oh, hey, like I love the game Mist. It was a lot of fun. I was like, really? That does not strike me as a game that you would like. And she said, yeah, I mean, it's cool. You know, you get to walk up and down on the beach. You know, there's a little hut. It's kind of neat. I was like, that. Wait, you? Th- that's the whole game? And she said, yes. And I was like, okay, no, that was the first puzzle. Like, she just thought it was just a, a fun beach simulator, right? And, and so because I, of that, probably enjoyed it more than a lot of people who played Mist. <laughs> because she never thought herself to be in a failure state, right? So most people, when they're playing Mist and just stuck on something, they're like, oh, man, this sucks. Nice suck and everything sucks. And for her, it's like, I'm just chilling on the beach, you know? Um, she, she she is the equivalent of like a beach bum versus like a beach bum that wants to be a CEO, you know, like she's just happy to chill on the beach. They say all that to say, I, I'm confident that whatever point and click adventure game we were playing, we were playing beach simulator, you know, mm. where we didn't really understand what we were doing or whatever, but we were playing video games at school. Yeah. And that's kind of all that mattered, you know? Well, because of the time in history that we went to school, um, my memory of getting to play video games at school, because I mean, everybody has Oregon Trail, of course, but yeah. my memory of getting to play video games at school was also a point and click adventure on the computer and we had to earn it. So oh, yeah. we, we had to like earn like good boy points throughout the week. And then you got like 30 minutes of point and click adventure time because that teacher brought his personal computer to school that was powerful enough to play at the time some modern games. So it was like, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just, just wild. Um, so yeah, that was that was my uh, my nostalgia experience. I remember being it's in in school. Uh, I think because you know we're 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 the same age. We were in the third grade in uh, you know 1993, and I, I remember as clearly as your mother's maiden name. What what was that again? <laughs> it's uh, her name is the same as my social security number. Actually, it's, <laughs> so it makes it easier for me to remember. You just need to edit in like a huge <laughs> <laughs> just bleep. Anyways, uh, should we chill? Let's chill. We should chill. Um, if you enjoy what we're doing, uh, the best way for you to support us is actually just like tell other people to come and listen because uh, personal recommendations always do the most. Um, you can go leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcasts if you don't like actually speaking to people, but you do want to get the word out. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we're on the Twitters. We have the website. All that crap is in the show notes. Um, and you can see what games we're playing upcoming. Um, we have a super exciting one we're going to play next that we've both been like champing at the bit for for basically the entire time we've been podcasting. So that's that's fun. If you want to go crazy and give us money, uh, you can support us on Patreon. And if you do that, you get access to the after show. Everybody gets access to the after show no matter what level they support at. Uh, but if you support us at a high enough level, we will shout you out. So we want to thank first our 8-bit classics, Kevin. Minox manipulating Michael, John, a sound slinging Sid, Jason, a wicked writing Wendy, and Yarno, a rock riffing Razor, our 16 bit heroes, Michael, a deliriously dull Dave. Sorry, Michael, <laughs> Jacob, a sounds coolizing Sardonian Sandy, and our full 3D supporter, David, the boson battering Bernard Bernoulli. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounded hard.
It was. And and because I was I was thinking like, okay, which which order to 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 go with these in? And um so for Sandy, I I, I was getting lazy because that was the last one I did. Is I just <laughs> I Googled cool S name, like S <laughs> words. And I learned two new words that I wanted to share with everyone. So sen culotizing is a rat somebody who is radicalizing people. Hmm. Um it actually comes from uh sans culottes, which is uh means like without i think it's without culottes you know like uh. <laughs> which is you know like the lower class of the french i'm like that is it, there's a lot of history behind that word um yeah and then uh the reason why i, I settled on uh boson battering bernard bernoulli is he's the scientist man and obviously the scientist is the best one that's yeah no that, yeah. obviously and that's the character you identified with right mm-hmm. like, yeah. yep no, I, I get, i'm glad that you saw representation in the game i i, I did as a yeah. straight white male it's hard to find that in video games i know that's why <laughs> i had to go deep into the back catalog to find a game that had a straight white male character in it a bunch actually yeah. Much less protagonist. It's wild. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the confusing visuals that are very different from what some of our listeners' lived experience probably was. Um, I actually really like these graphics, and if you compare them to the PC graphics, you would instantly become like even more of a fan. Now, that being said, these are super NES graphics, right? Not super NES graphics. They are super NES graphics. They are flat, simple colors, a lot of uh, like dithering gradients in places where they don't necessarily need to be, which can make some things look kind of muddy. But what I found that I liked about this is they really sparsely populated the world in the NES version where to make the frame rate stay high and to not have like a lot of cla- clipping and flashing and stuff, they they pulled out some superfluous details that the PC and, and like Apple version have, which means if something's on screen, you could probably interact with it. So although the world feels kind of weird in how sparsely populated it is because of the controls, which we'll get to, it's nice that if something is on screen, you probably should acknowledge it. You can either open it or close it or turn it on or turn it off or climb it or, you know, do something like there isn't a lot of superfluous detail. So in a point and click style game like this is, I actually thought the simplistic graphics sort of made it more approachable in a way, which I appreciated. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I can, I can kind of get behind that. Um, so visuals for the sake of visuals, they're, 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 you know, actually not that bad. Right. You know, um, uh, here's the thing that I'm going to start whining about is um, so we've often referred to the the Home Alone two right where it's like imp- <laughs> it's impossible to tell foreground from background and all sorts of stuff right uh, that is true of this game in that there's nothing really that says like hey this is just like kind of background filigree right you know this is um, you know like it just it's a cabinet it's just a cabinet right or something like that there's really it's really there in most video games either the background's like dulled a little bit or you know like a very repeatable pattern so it kind of falls away falls into the background that's not true here the reason why is because there's so much stuff for you to interact with right um so it's weird because unlike in home alone 2 where i feel like it was done inadvertently this time i feel like it was done on purpose um i agree yeah it's so (laughs) which (laughs) um yeah, you know, we'll get in, into more mechanics, but the 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 issue with that is that it 
yes, the 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 if it's on screen, there's a chance that you can interact with it, but you're you're so busy figuring out whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think if you should, right? You know, so um, I, I think that it it really struggles, or, or from my seat, it really causes the player to struggle with like, okay, there there's no guidance, you know, to say like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, like you can interact with everything, but. Eh, you know, maybe there's not much going on with the clock. So maybe, maybe ignore that one. You know, there's no visual affordance to help kind of guide you into like, hey, maybe focus on this thing. Or, you know, yeah, there's a, a, so right off the bat, right? The key under the mat, like I, I literally got stuck to the point where I had to look up a walkthrough in the first 20 minutes. And it, by which I mean the first three minutes of the game, but the first 20 minutes of me getting frustrated and then saying like, like literally, you know, walking up to the door, trying all of the buttons on the door, you know? And so then when I saw, so I pulled up a video thing and I saw I'm like, oh, there's a key under the mat. So I went and interacted with the mat and then I went to the door and it's like, no nah, man, still nothing. I was like, wait, what? And I saw, and then just right in line with the mat, right over to the right, there was a key that looked like a kind of a key and i was like there is nothing about this visual that draws my attention to it that lets me know that this is important or something i can pick up and the weird thing is is that's deliberate Mm -hmm. they're doing that on purpose they want that key to blend into the background because they want you to spend minutes or hours finding it they want you to spend an hour wandering around that area then turning off the game going to the kids the next day on the playground and asking them holy crap how do i do this and then subscribing to the Nintendo power. So it's just, it's weird because it's completely antithetical to modern game design, you know? Yeah. And, and this is actually an interesting thing that's become a problem in a way for this style of game in modern games is it's on purpose, right? It's yeah. exactly what you said. It's not an accident that things are hard to identify. Is this important? Is this not like that's part of why people play these sorts of games is for the feeling of cleverness when they're like, Oh, I realized that if you put thing a in place B, that thing C happens, which was is logical. Like you can follow the steps, but, but I was the only one who could, you know, I I had to invent Phoenician characters for a to B to C to make sense. So I'm a genius, right? Like that's the, the feeling these these kind of games are going for because by this time in history and throughout the 90s they continued to make games exactly like the ones they made in the 80s even though the technology had moved on just because this style of game appeals to a certain kind of person now to bring that all the way back to visuals in their defense they did do the thing that games in the 70s and 80s and early 90s did which is they literally tell you where the key is in the instruction manual in the instruction manual where it's explaining how to play a game like this and that's the thing is this game has more in common with like a board game or a uh, like a choose your own adventure novel where you would need to be given instructions right because the kind of feedback you get is not can't be super obvious because then that might steer you toward a solution. So you get a lot of like, it doesn't work or nothing happened because if it said something like, maybe I should look under the mat, like they didn't have the bandwidth to build that kind of thing into the game yet. And then by the time they did, these kind of games have started to sort of like go out of fashion. So 
Uh, what I think is charming about the experience you had is I guarantee you that is the experience that most kids our age would have had when they were playing this game, right? Because even if you're old enough to write, if you're between five and 10, like you're old enough to read the manual, but you're not like, you're not gonna, right. You're not just video games, right. You just put it in. Yeah. And then to couple that with, uh, things are all essentially in the foreground, right? A hundred percent of the world is potentially interactable leads to a lot of just moving the cursor constantly to see if the text lights up, right? Because that is the visual affordance that you do get is Mm -hmm. the cursor always highlights a thing that is interactable or I say highlights. It literally puts text on screen that says what the thing is. But like, so if you, hover over the stairs it's like go to stairs if you hover over the door it's go to door if you hover over the key it's go to key right and that's including if you're in total darkness that's including if there's enemies on screen that's including all of the characters like if the cursor is over an interactable thing but that means you're no longer relying on how the world looks you're relying on this like non-diegetic ui to just tell you like, Oh, your eyes have landed on something that is interactable. And it's like, I didn't put the cursor there because it looked interactable. I put the cursor there because I'm checking every pixel Everything. on the screen. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. And, and that ultimately the, the, the goal of this type of game, that's kind of antithetical to even us replaying it now is that the game's meant to take, just eat through hours of your life. Like it's what it's made for. And we don't have hours of our life to dedicate to this kind of stuff. Even when we're reviewing it for the podcast, it's like, there's a finite amount of time that I can screw around with this as opposed to, you know, Hey, um, you know, I've got eight hours and I've got all day. Like, I'm just going to sit there and, and mess around with this. Now, that being said is that I, I think that one of the main differences that, that you hit on is, um, that would make this more acceptable. I don't know how they would have done it with the hardware at the time, but is somehow if you're like, cause the idea is that you're these kids trying to thwart this evil scientist from doing crazy stuff, right? Um, lobotomizing someone or something. Um, uh, uh, he is going to take out your girlfriend's brain. Yeah. Yeah. I got there. Um, so, uh, anyways, um, so the idea though is that you're in this mansion, you're kind of like sleuthing around and that kind of stuff, uh, and trying to figure out how to kind of solve this this puzzle. Um, it if there was a diegetic uh, way in which to determine like what things interacted with what things, especially if that diegetic UI was character specific, because each character has a different set of skills and all that kind of stuff, which we'll get into in mechanics. Um, I feel like that that would have wildly um, made the game like easier more playable especially and even more interesting from my seat to me it would be very similar to like batman's detective mode in um the arkham games you know where it's like the game is telling you like hey check this thing out it's highlighted but it's not highlighted because the game's telling me the idiot that i need to go do this thing it's because batman knows and i am batman right so like if you know um bernard like walked in and was like ah yes you know I get the sciencey things highlighted because that's my skill set. And, you know, the musician walked in and says, oh, I can, I know the musical things. And I think that that would actually help because then you would say, ah, all right, that's, that's exciting because like, I, I'm going to play through as Bernard and see, okay, here's where all this, this, this stuff is. But, uh, 
No, none of that. Um, no, absolutely no affordance, uh, uh, visual affordances whatsoever or, or any guidance. Um, again, in, very intentionally. Yeah. And, and this is something I actually struggled with throughout is I don't love point and click adventure games, but some of my favorite games are actually point and click adventure games, which is weird. I don't it's really, weird. it's kind of like horror. Like I don't re I really don't like horror, but there are some fantastic movies that I really love that are technically horror movies and novels that I've read that are horror novels. Like I just, but I never would just say like, Oh, I, I just saw this interesting horror movie. So I just grabbed it. Cause 99% chance I'm going to hate it. Point and click adventures are the same kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. Like the fact that the game was operating as designed creates tension with like oh, i have to review this as an artifact not like my personal taste and just sprinkle a liberal dose of my opinion on top of that objective review yeah and again like like so so visuals for for the sake of visuals the game looks looks very nice it to me it, it sometimes looks a little bit overbearing and kind of cluttered visually um, so, in some of the rooms have like crazy wallpaper and like really right. over the top colors that are kind of like, Ugh. yeah, exactly. You know, um, the, the nice thing though, is that most of the rooms are colored so differently that you are unlikely to confuse which room you're in. Right. And that, that is a plus, right? Because if you're like, Oh, right. I need to go to this other room, then you can do that. I would also say, okay, so I, I had this for later, but I think I kind of need to mention it now because it will color it. <laughs> This, you, you know, so the, we don't see games like this too much anymore, right? Um, but I would argue that there is something very popular, a game very popular uh, in, in current popular culture that has replaced this niche. And you know what I think it is? Walking simulators? Escape the Room. Ooh. This is an Escape the Room game, you know? it It is mechanically and thematically incredibly similar. That that's what I think is scratching kind of this itch, right? Is that you know you put a bunch of people with different skills in a room and you say now escape it, right? So it's 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 really critical that you not kind of and so with that in mind, I think that this is a type of game. If you think about it from that type of mindset, probably what they expected and what I think again, if I had an infinite amount of time and also care um, to do this right is you know what this would be really cool right is you get a nice little leather bound notebook and you draw out all of the little maps and you say like this room goes to here and then like make little notes of like okay I pick these things up here and then oh man well when I do thing A this thing happens and then you end up with this you know kind of crazy person epistolary almost diary right of the game like that would be awesome you know and I think that that would really infuse into the game right so I think that that's kind of what the game expects you to do and it's important uh, to bring it back to visuals is it's important then that all of the rooms look very distinctly different so that way if you are happening to take notes even mentally you can say ah right that's the purple room with all of the couches in it right i remember where that one is that's the one with the big piano in it i remember where that one is that's the one with the long dining table that's the one with the pipes that's the one where the pool is that's the one where the crazy car that shoots in the outer space is you know like you need to know all those things and those two things can't ever really be interchangeable. So the game does that very well. I feel. Yeah. I, first off, uh, I totally agree with you. Um, I absolutely <laughs> should have played this game with notes. And I think anyone who plays one of these games would probably enjoy it more if they had a little notebook and 
and like little like post-its, you know, yeah. and like, you right. know, like like the little uh, things that call out your pages. Yeah. And- immersive. It's immersive gaming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't really think about how profoundly the utterly insane decor is actually benefiting the player. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right because uh, there are a couple things you might want to do that involve the power being completely out and mm-hmm. uh, but you can still move about the world completely fine and unimpeded and do things as long as they don't require power. And every time I was like, okay, I need to go, you know, I just went through the, you know, the secure steel door. So now I'm in this hallway and it's that teal color, which means the stairs are all the way to the right. And then you go, you're walking through darkness. You can't see anything. And then you, it's, you put your cursor where the stairs should be. And it's like, yup, there they are. And it's because everything has such a distinctive look, uh, the characters, the, and, and the environments, which I mean, the environment in this game kind of is its own character. It is the mansion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, you're, you're, you're blowing my mind here. Cause it's like, it's so obvious that why some rooms have like the weird corn flower, uh, wallpaper and then they're like purple rooms and yellow rooms and it's like why is this place decorated this way oh because they're crazy and it's like no <laughs> no it's because there's only one the cornflower wallpaper room there's always one the purple bedroom there's only one the pink bedroom so if you are thinking spatially like those colors are one more anchor for your brain to say okay the pink bedroom is next to the purple bedroom right and they're in this they're in left to right order and, that, and that's I need not to even th- just an example. Like that is actually how those rooms are <laughs> on that floor. And I know that because I can see it in my mind's eye. Exactly. Right. And then it's like, and in the pink bedroom is where this thing happens. And in the you know blue bedroom, that's where I find this thing, you know, and oh, right. Especially because you can, and this is slightly mechanical, but because you can change kids, um, new kid. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like, that's, that's still visual, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's like, I feel like that's, I don't know, man, that feels so pejorative. It's like, I, I need a, I need a new kid, new kid. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's because you can leave people places, right? So, you know, you need to, to be able to say, like, okay, that's right. That that's the room with the piano. Well, I actually have somebody that can play piano. So let me go back with, to that room with that person and interact with that thing. Um, I will say that uh, that's, that's kind of a mechanical note. I was going to say that in a modern game, what I feel that they would do is allow you just to swap what character you know you have as opposed to oh yeah grabbing your character and walking them all the way across but the way the game works mechanically um there's a quick mechanical note is uh it's really important that that not happen because mm-hmm. you're not walking as a party you can be in multiple disparate places at once because you need somebody to do something at place a so you can do something at place b how they're all communicating this through some omniscient like like you're we're Jean gray right you know so we're just keeping the team <laughs> like psychically linked but uh yeah yeah that, that's that's i was, I was the, thinking they just all have uh they have like walkie talkies built into the cd players they're all wearing Ooh, there you yeah. Go. yeah 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 okay. yeah but like the, I'm, the I'm old the like, water pump turn it off yeah but the old you know like 70s 80s you know walkie talkies <laughs> yeah. that are freaking enormous you know and have like the giant you know antenna on it yeah um that's that's all the meaty stuff I had for notes. So one other throwaway uh, thing for visuals is um, <laughs> look, I get it. It's it's NES, and they, there's a ton of stuff here and a ton of visuals. So I get why they wouldn't make a specific visual for going up and down stairs because it happens so infrequently. <laughs> <It's> so bad. <laughs> but, but 
I, I'm just confident that that anybody who walks down the stairs, that walks down um, a ladder in the way in which this person is walking down a ladder, would then and then they dropped to their death and died. You know, Dude, the, just, the original Mega Man has a ladder climbing animation. Like they could have. It's not that they ran out of bits and bites. Like they just decided it wasn't important enough to the game to animate all of because I mean there's a crap load of characters right mm-hmm. and everyone all of the villains and all of the heroes can go up and down stairs and up and down ladders so I get why they didn't want to add like 50,000 extra animations but you are right it looks absurd <laughs> like shockingly absurd it, it's it's jarring you know like because you because it is it is fairly immersive so you'll be kind of going through and you're like yeah yeah wait what oh that's right i'm playing a video game <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm with you on uh visuals they're like i again i know we didn't play the other editions but i just can't get over how much better i think the nes version looks compared to the the pc versions of the time um one of them has way higher fidelity graphics like no question the graphics are better but i think the art style's worse so it's like eh. <laughs> it's like yeah okay there's there's more dots but they're uglier dots <laughs> why don't you go back and say that about like a mosaic you know like that's, <laughs> that's a good critique of a mosaic painting i mean yeah sure it's more dots but why yeah. <laughs> um audios yes um so yeah there's there's i don't i don't have much for audio in this Dude, one. Like, if you don't say every single track in this is a banger we are done the music in this game is excellent and i will entertain no other opinions <laughs> stay scientific jerry <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i uh, uh yeah i don't know um, i i i would say that i didn't think that they were necessarily all bangers but i was not annoyed by them i did not think that they were bad um i will say that that and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm pretty confident on this uh, until you came out swinging so hard on the audio. And now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about anything anymore. <laughs> Is uh, each each kid has his own own music, right? Yes. Every single yeah. kid has unique tracks. And because you can only have three in your party per game, like you can't rotate them. Um, you might play the entire game and not even realize like, oh, every kid has a unique anthem. Yeah, which I and and I thought that that was really nice. Um, just because you know it's it's it it a it kind of makes sense thematically, you know, because if you're playing this and it's kind of like a movie, then you know each each person kind of has their little theme song, you know. Um, it's kind of like you know riding on a bus, riding on a bus, you know, like that that kind of you know constant theme. So I I, I really like that. Um, that was the main note that I had though. All of the sound effects are fine. You know, I didn't the the sound effects are they're they're the audio version of simple visual feedback, like click yeah. the door opened, right? Yeah. Bang, the door closed. Kachink, you picked up the little metal thing, right? Like there's they are strictly informational. They add basically all all of the tone and theming and stuff that's done with audio is all done through music, not through sound effects. Yeah, um, that and the, uh, the the one other thing that I, I noticed about the audio that I just thought was weird is, um, and it makes sense because the the NES will will drop stuff, you know, uh, in if there's too many sounds, uh, so you can just turn off the music effectively by turning on the water in an area, because <laughs> then it's just like water noise, and 
again, like, so in my mind, all of the, um, all of the music was the characters like theme songs in their head. I'm like, how loud is this water running that is drowning out your own personal melody that's running through your head, you know? Uh, and yeah, to me, then yeah, that you're was walking the- around with a CD player and you turn on this faucet and it's deafening relative to earbuds, which are pretty loud. Yeah. So to me, I thought it was kind of like a, a descent into their madness, you know? So it they turn on, it's like, shh, and they're just sitting there staring at the water and the noise is just getting louder and louder. And then the mom <laughs> comes and throws you in the basement. <laughs> yeah. And then you just find a bunch of teenage corpses and it's like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> some threaten me water. with a good time um i mean one, uh, something else <laughs> one thing uh i do have to say about the music is some of the games that we've played for nostalgia goggles like i literally haven't played them since i was you know when the game was new um mm-hmm. a lot of the games we've played i played and then maybe i played again like as a teenager and then maybe like even in college or later right so the the kind of like staggered learning effect can be very different from one title we play to another because depending on repeated exposures and how far apart those exposures were i know i haven't played this game since it was new right since i was quite young um the second i turned this game on and the music started i just was transported back to the living room next sitting next to my brother him probably playing and me just watching but i just <laughs> like the opening theme song even it's just like dun 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 and i was just like yes it's gonna be amazing like it's just it's incredible how uh like the effect that that has because like when the title screen starts and you see the mansion like that's super iconic right if you know this game like the mansion up on the hill and the meteor going through the sky it's like especially if you know what the story is about you're like oh man there's the meteor there's the mansion right and it's like ah right but that at least for me did not have the same like instant flooding of dopamine effect that the opening music had and because you always have to uh you know the the girl you're trying to save sandy is dave's girlfriend so dave always has to be in the party and then you can pick two other kids um so you always have access to dave's music but then you can choose between the other kids and um razor's theme is pretty good uh bernard's is actually kind of chill which i sort of liked because i did i don't know why maybe because he's the scientist but he ended up doing a lot of work in my party so i was hearing his music a lot so i kind of liked that it was a little bit mellower because razor's is like super like 90s rock high high octane um so i yeah dude i just man i like immediately sought out the soundtrack on some weebs youtube channel where he's got like an anime avatar of him with a poorly photoshopped sweater luigi on it and i was just like i don't care this kid is my hero i love this music yeah no definitely uh no nostalgia bias there um, <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, uh, no I mean, a, a, again, like, like, a, a, I will definitely defer to you on that one because one, um, I think you're going to hurt me, and two, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, and two, it's 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 no uh, surprise to anybody on this podcast that um, you know your your attention to detail on music is 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 better than mine. The, to me, the big thing that, like I said, I really thought was uh, nice was that each character had their own theme. Um, and to some degree, because I'd say, and and do you have anything else for audio? Because this is a good segue in mechanics. 
Uh, just that I do think they also realize that if you take a long time solving puzzles, even the catchiest tunes can get annoying. So they let you turn them off in situ whenever you want. Like, yeah, which you, is- just like you can use key on door, you can turn off CD player and every kid has their own CD player. And so they're literally listening to their own theme music. So even though that's a mechanical detail, it's. I think that's the creators being like, you know, if you're sitting here staring at this screen trying to solve this puzzle, you might want to turn the music off. Yeah, just maybe. Um, and, and so the nice thing is because about, I'd say, 10% from my experience of this game is stuff where you need a specific character to do a specific thing, right? The other 90% anyone can do, right? So only the people who know music can interact with the music stuff, but all the rest of it's the same. So I say that to say, um, for the audio, it effectively kind of lets you pick your track because if you, you know, like the Chill Bernard track, then have him do most of the heavy lifting. If you like, you know, Dave's music, like a, a monster, then, uh, um, you know, have Dave do all the heavy lifting, whatever, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that it was, it, it's, it's interesting how, and, and, and they had to make it this way because again, you may not have, Bernard in your party you know you the, the the game developers can count on you having Dave right but that's it so everything else that is character specific either has to have another solution to the problem or can't be integral to the main plot line of the of the game you know like you can't need it to finish it, it's a secret or an extra or something of that of which there's like a bajillion things in here that are secrets and extras there's so much game here there's a lot of game I think somehow this game only has five different endings, even though there are entire solutions that are locked behind individual characters. Like the, so the car that like shoots into space, Mm -hmm. the reason that it does that is if you go and get the meteor, because the meteor is the, the big bad, right? It's evil. It's mind controlling everybody. If you put the meteor in the trunk of the car and then shoot the car into space, you win. One of the girls is a writer, and so you can find a terrible manuscript in the mansion, and if you have her punch up the manuscript, and then you mail it off to the company that has the advertisement on the TV in the music room, then they come and they take the meteor away and turn him into a celebrity, and so he leaves everybody alone. Like, you, there's, uh, I think you can help the tentacle, like, start a band, something. There's, like, a music way to beat the game. But like that, there's all the like almost boring by comparison endings where it's like, oh, well, what if you go and you like confront the meteor and you stop? You can make the police show up like you can report like a fake crime and then they show up and see the real crimes happening and then they arrest the meteor like. But but then then the meteor turns into uh, Mr. Nimbus and, <laughs> and controls the police. Yeah, it's just, it's. <laughs> This is, I think, what is attractive about these kinds of games to a lot of people is there is so much game here, right? There's just mm-hmm. no other way to put it. It's like there's the the speed run for this game is something like six minutes. But if you were playing it at a normal pace, it would probably take you like three to eight hours. Like that's well, a lot. That's a huge difference between knowing what to do and lots of experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's the nailed it on the head, right? Is it's all about experimentation. Um okay, so <laughs> for me personally, I I 
didn't have any trust in this game, right? Which is to say that, <laughs> like, there's a lot of times in games where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to check every single locker in Fallout 4, right? Or Fallout 3, right? Because I don't need to. I know a developer would not do that to me. They would not force me to do that. No such faith or compunction here. And I, I feel pretty justified with that. Like, they're intentionally doing that, right? Yeah. And I would say, like, that is an adventure game genre Right. Consistency, right? Mario has to jump. In platformers, you have to jump. And in adventure games, you click every brick, right? Just what if it does something? Exactly. What if it does something? And so you click every brick. And and, and so because the thing is that the reason why you can't not is because there are things that just won't make sense unless you've gotten the thing that you need to get right. You know, so you'll walk up to a door and they'll say, ah, you need a key. And and the key was in the bottom of the, of the grandfather clock or something. Right. But unless you, you, you can interact with the grandfather clock. Right. And to me, the world immediately after I got into the third room, I'm like, the world is too expansive for me to like, kind of keep track of the things I'm interacting with and things I can't. So, you know what that means? That means interact with everything that I can on the first pass and see what happens, right? So let's just argue for a minute that in a room, there are, you know, four things to interact with, right? Um, And there are 11 actions on the screen, right? There's 11 things you can do. Now, some of them don't make any sense, but I don't have any trust in the game developer at this point to not make me think that I don't need to push or pull or put, you know, for the grandfather clock, right? So I'm like, all right. I'm going to do all 11. You got three kids, though. So you are now up to over 100 actions, right, per room in order to ensure that you have done all of the interactions you can reasonably do. And that's assuming, again, perfectly linear gameplay, which this game is not, right? So you might very well do all of the things to that thing, right? But, ah, no, you needed to... to specifically use this item in your inventory right which now is a whole nother thing so you might as well try using all the items in your inventory on all of the things because what if the tuna can needs to be placed on top of the stairs because that attracts the zombie guy or the cat and you need to now catch the cat and put them in your inventory like all of these sound insane but they are reasonable within the game which means that you can't just discount it right you can't say Oh yeah, there's 50 room brooms in this room in Skyrim, but I probably don't need to be walking around with my carrying capacity filled with brooms, you know? Probably, right? There are still some people that play that way. Yeah, but, yeah it's it's you know. unlikely that the the big bad in Skyrim is defeated by all of the uh forks, knives, and plates <laughs> from the first town's first house. Yeah, right. You know, you're just like you're dragging this dragon's horde behind you. Like, <laughs> but if it, but if Skyrim was an adventure game, right? It'd be the way that you beat the dragon is you interest him in your huge horde of crap you got from that first room, <laughs> and that causes them to abandon the Arkenstone, and then you collect that item, right? You know, like that would be more in line with this type of game. They say all that to say, for me personally, that just saps the fun out of it because now. It's not a game about about it's not an escape the room, right? It's a game about jump through hoops. Superman 64. No, so, <laughs> um, yeah, right. So, I mean, that's that's the thing is that to me is is that that mechanic, which, again, I am not faulting this game specifically for it is every point and click adventure game that does this. Um, I didn't play a lot of them as a kid, and I certainly have not played a lot recently. And uh, I remember why, because I don't. So like it. <laughs> I, I will 
I will raise you that you are actually maybe being too generous. (laughs) (laughs) And, And here's why. So around this time, right? Not, not way before, not way after, but this was like during the transition time where the PC versions of these games, uh, because these are mostly PC games, right? This is, it's very unusual for a game like this to be on a console for a reason I will talk about as part two of this lecture is uh, they were starting to get a lot smarter about like reasonable inference. Like if you pick up a, a jar, right. And you uh, place it into the pool or under the running water, then it will fill it with water, right? So like the inference is you put a jar into water and so now there's water in the jar. You don't have to say put water in jar and and that's not hyperbole, right? Because text adventure games, which were not that long before this, when you really think about it, did actually require that level of specificity, right? Put hand on knob, turn knob, open door, right? Like not quite that bad but pretty damn close pretty damn close and this is obviously like this grew out of that this is it's a visual version of that same kind of thing my problem with the way maniac mansion implemented this and i mean lucas arts the the game division at this time like they were famous for these kinds of games right this the sequel which is day the tentacle monkey island right like some of the fondest games from this era are lucas arts point and click adventure games so they did this thing a lot right and this this was a early ish one um one of their earlier ones there are too many verbs there's too many why is turn on and turn off separate verbs like push and pull should not be separate verbs open and close should not be separate verbs like just assume like interact is the opposite of its current state if its states are binary right Mm -hmm. don't make me like open and close the door if the door is open and i interact with the door then close it if i go to the door go through it you know what i mean so like the problem of uh like the the would it, would it be exponential growth, geometric growth, like mm-hmm. logarithmic growth, the, the the rate at which the number of combinations of things you could reasonably attempt skyrockets partially because they chose to do a lot of these things as like separate verbs, right? Like just turn on and turn off can just be like, like turn on slash off, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that would be fine. And I know it, it's it's hard to go all the way to just interact Right. Because then then the game will infer way too much for you. And then you don't get that same kind of satisfying like, haha, I figured out something clever. But there is a like a happy medium, a Goldilocks zone. And this this is on the wrong side. Right. It's like like this game is too easy. This game is too hard. This (laughs) game is just right. Like this this is when I think errors on the hard side. Um, Something we didn't mention in visuals, but it's more relevant here is uh, the inventory is only like two items tall <laughs> yeah. because there's so many damn things you can do with the stuff in your inventory. So even to get to the things is extra clicks because there's little up and down arrows, right? So to say mm-hmm. like, I want to use this jar in the sink to fill it with water. You might have to go like use scroll, 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 jar sink, right? 
And then when an item changes, like if something fills with water, for example, it just pops back in your inventory and it doesn't always go back to the place that you took it from. So now like you have to, you have this perfect mental map of the mansion, a gigantic building with all these insane structures, but you can't keep track of like what's in your own purse (laughs) because crap keeps flying into different pockets. Like it's just that, that creates a lot of the slog but mm-hmm. then the force multiplier for the slog is, is supposed to be a PC game and you are supposed to have a mouse. Like yes. you are you are supposed to be able to very quickly hover over everything on the screen and see if that makes your HUD light up and say like, oh, this must be a thing I can interact with because words appeared on screen. Doing that with the D-pad, like and 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 I I feel very confident that this is true because there were a lot of things in this game i remembered like oh you can do this you can move that you can combine these things you can do whatever right so like every time i knew exactly what i needed to do so i was able to do it in an optimal number of clicks and mouse movements with the d-pad it didn't feel that bad every time i had to experiment it instantly became an insufferable slog and i was like oh no (laughs) this game can't only be fun when you already know exactly what to do that's the opposite of what this game is supposed to be right that'd be like if you walk into the escape room and you just start like like you open the thing you move the key you you know you just like blaze through it um and i I agree it's called just going into your own house like (laughs) i know which key opens the door it works every single time yeah, it's not, it's not escape the room. It's it's going home. Um, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I do think that there is something to be said, um, you know, about the interact button, because I do think there, that there is something to, to be said about, like, I pick this thing up and I mess around with it, you know, like I, I pick up the jar and, you know, like instead of saying, you know, or, or, or uh, like the, the door, right? Especially because some of the verbs are so similar, right? So for a door, right? open and close or push and pull are reasonably the same thing, you know? So I, and I didn't double check it, but if, it, if it's like, if you pull on a door, does it open it? If you don't hit open, I don't I, think it does. I don't know this game has a very small amount of inference. Like mm-hmm. you don't, there's no like walk through, but you do have to like, go to like if you want to pick something up off the shelf you have to go to where that thing is and then say get the thing but if you just say get the thing like if the the thing you're trying to get is on the screen you're on you don't have to scroll to get to it and you just say get the thing you will walk over to it and get it so there's like little places like that where there's a small amount of inference but that's almost worse because then you're like could i have just been pushing all the doors i don't know well, and so basically, um, to me, and this is kind of my big, big thing for this is that be- because of n- not only is, is a lot of that stuff a slog, but there's and and the, the developer doesn't really engender trust. But this game is all, from my see, all consequences, no choice, right? Which is to say that a lot of the stuff that you do, you cannot possibly know the outcome of that thing. So therefore, you are now faced with consequences for the thing that you did, right? But that's not a choice, right? So I, if I don't know that 
turning on the downstairs water summons the brother from upstairs to come down and beat the mess out of me or throw me into the dungeon, right? Or if I don't know the fact that being thrown into the dungeon is not an ultimate failure state, there's a brick in there that just opens the door and lets me out, right? Like those are all consequences. It doesn't mean that I really have a choice in it, right? So to me, a, a great, a, a good example of of kind of consequences uh, in a video game, right, is in um because consequences can be used. Normally, it's used to kind of jar the player and kind of remind you, hey, that you do have choices and be careful with the choices that you make. So, for example, in Chrono Trigger, where if you do the RPG thing and you rob everyone blind like you would in every single RPG, it bites you later. But it does bite you relatively quickly later. Yeah. And, and and in a way that doesn't then ruin your save file. Yeah, right. That doesn't, you know, all of a sudden, like, you're you're just, you're done, right? But again, that is a consequence, right? Because you have absolutely no reason to think in this RPG at that particular cross-section of time that this would have that thing, right? So this this game is just all consequences, no choice. And because of the way some of the consequences are linked up, what it really made me think of, because I was like, I, I was, I, I was like, I'm having trouble putting this in the words, but tell me if you remember this from when you were a kid, right? Remember how like we would have some of those those riddles and stuff that we would all like tell each other, and you know we we figured out. So the one that I remember was you know you're in a room, there's nothing in the room, only a mirror. How do you get out? And I remember telling my dad this and him being like, you know, and I told him the solution. He was like, fine. I couldn't understand his irritation because obviously you look in the mirror, you see what you saw, you take the saw, cut the mirror in half, do halves, make a hole, and you crawl out the hole, right? <laughs> Did you not do these when you were a kid? Like we had like a million of them. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I don't know that one anyway, but that's <laughs> um, that's fun because I don't think like you couldn't just easily translate that like that works in american english yes yeah <laughs> right exactly that, it works which, which makes it almost like uh it's almost like poetry because it's like <laughs> ah, you you can't just straight up translate this like the words and the way they sound super matters well and and the thing is it's really really because uh, and this is way a field and tangential but like one of the things that they say about you know puns the reason why you find puns like hilarious as a kid and then less so as an adult is because you're just learning that part of language and so it's new and interesting so jokes like this are really helpful for kids because and you think that they're amazing because it's like ah but you see saw can mean two different things isn't that cool and look Two halves make a hole, but hole is in like a whole thing, but hole is also in the hole you can crawl out of. Isn't that cool? And I remember telling my dad that thing and him being like, okay, like what? <laughs> <Here>. you know, <laughs> and being like, no, isn't this amazing? Like, look at how clever. And, and that was the thing. He says, remember, I was like, look at how clever I am for having the solution to this problem. And it's like, but the solution is nonsense. That's what I think of when I'm thinking of some of the solutions to this game, right? Where it's like, yeah. So to your point of like the, it can make you feel clever. This is not ubiquitously the case, right? But some of the times when it's like, yes, look at this clever thing I found out. It's like, yeah. And, and you take the two halves, make a hole and you crawl out the hole, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Clever. You know? Yeah. And, and I think that's part of what makes a game like this difficult to critique as an art object is because I use that phrase almost ironically like i'm making fun of people who are like games can't be art right it's like yeah they can't shut up but th this game has more in common with like a physical puzzle or mm -hmm. like a book like a whodunit murder mystery 
than it does with a lot of modern video games because the the point is two halves make a whole right like it's the right. the th- these lucasfilm games are renowned for their silly humor for their writing for the characters and the 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 visual and like personality design like like, like if you don't example. like those things these would all be terrible because that's all that they are there's not there's no uh mastery of the controls that it's like oh well i'm able to beat this boss because i can you know dodge and duck and dart and weave and jump and backflip better than you can because i'm super good with a nintendo controller like and you could play this with your feet like it's just not you never have to make quick reactions there are times you can do things with quick reactions but you don't need any quick reactions to finish the game so it's 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 almost like i'm trying to critique the pages and the binding of a book without talking about any of the content in the book but they are inseparable right Mm -hmm. like i really love this music i find the nest version of this artwork fairly charming but it's like but if you're not willing to go through eight billion permutations of like throw baby in pool then it's not charming enough (laughs) to deal with that yeah, like the, the the a great example is um uh, uh and 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 these are like my last two notes is uh is so the the hunk omatic machine makes you stronger, <laughs> right? And yeah, like you said, like it's it's just kind of a kitschy joke, but it's like okay, so I did like three lap pull downs, and now all of a sudden I have the this new untold Herculean strength, right? It's it's like getting the uh the gauntlets of ogre power or whatever in, in, in Ocarina, right. You know, where all of a sudden it's like, Oh, now I can lift huge boulders over my head. Um, and, and so, and also too, like there are some things that, you know, like, so for example, and this one I saw in a walkthrough, so I did not get to this myself. Um, because I, I, I got, so I was beating my head against the wall so hard that I was like, I need to see more of this game. And I'm not confident that I'm going to be able to do that. So I kind of <laughs> wanted the, the solution to some of the puzzles. So I could be like, okay, how's the, how far off was I? And I was like, I'm not, I was pretty far off, but that's because the bullseye was the ravings of a madman. Um, so there's, there's a, there's the car, right. That you can use the yellow key on. Now, if you use the yellow key on the trunk, there's tools in the trunk that you can then later use for other stuff. If you accidentally use it on anything but the trunk, the car fires off in the outer space forever, <laughs> right? It's just gone with the tools, right? So that's to, to, to me, like kind of, again, the example of consequences, you know, like there's no two, two has make a hole and you crawl out the hole, right? Because there's no reason to think that I'm going to, plug this 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 key into the ignition and all of a sudden it's going to rick and morty jerry's car style like grow all of these you know amazing sci-fi appendages and fire off into space that's not a reasonable assumption but that is what happens now once you know that happens you can internalize it and move on but it's it's happened now like you just gotta live with that and and there's two important things that uh, as, as we segue into the end here that I, I think these two things are really worth considering because uh, I really like your framing of consequences because a lot of adventure games let you save and save scum and mm-hmm. this game does let you save but you can only have one save file at a time so that means 
you can't write mechanics that allow you to save yourself into a corner, which this game will absolutely do. This game does have dead ends. And some people like that, some people don't, but you need to know that, right? And and the game doesn't tell you that. You would just eventually realize like, oh, I can't, like I, I screwed too many things up. It is impossible now for me to be successful. And, and I left you the pool drain for too long, so it blew up the mansion. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> you, you would lose a minutes, maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes at the absolute most. So we're not talking hours of wandering aimlessly, but like you could lose some time, right? And And that can be a really frustrating experience. Um, the fact that they allow that, uh, I think is like an unfortunate side effect of, we wanted there to be a lot of solutions to the ultimate problem of beating the game and a lot of branching paths. And some of those branching paths lead to unfortunate dead ends. And, and personally, I'm okay with that trade off as long as realizing you did the wrong thing and victory is now impossible is like very quickly thrown in your face, right? If you turn off the cooling to the nuclear reactor an alarm sounds for about 30 seconds and then the mansion explodes and everybody dies and it's like, okay, that is not a way to win because everyone is dead now, right? So kind of a win condition, right? Because then the, like the the meteor can't cause any more issues because the, I mean, you're specifically trying to save Sandy's life. So you did not save her life. Well, I, I would argue that dying in a nuclear explosion that immediately incinerates you is better than having your brain cut out. So it's yeah, but it, better. Th- this is binary. <laughs> you either saved her life or you don't. Okay. Okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just saying that like I, I afforded her a better death. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take that C minus and like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so but before, before we talk about whether or not we thought the game held up, Um, I have a section in my notes that's called random nonsense. And sometimes I put stuff there and it just drifts out into the rest of the show. Sometimes there's nothing there. This game has one particular story that I feel compelled to tell because if you are on the fence about whether or not you want to deal with these mechanics for the charm of the writing, this is the story that will tell you if you find this charming then okay if not you probably just pass right now um there is a uh uh, the mother and father right the doctor and the nurse um it's like frank and edna um and then their son who's like a weird kind of like paramilitary weird guy um so he has a hamster in his room if you go and get the hamster you can put the hamster in the microwave with some ingredients and kill it and cook it. And then if you present the hamster to him, he goes, cause you can subdue him by giving him some other food. I think it's cheese. Um, but if you present that the cooked hamster to him, he goes, no, thanks. Hey, what, why does this have fur on it? This fur looks like my hamster's fur. Oh no. And then it just smash cuts to a picture of the outside of the mansion with three tombstones because you enrage him so much. I think reasonably that he kills you and your friends. That's, I think that's a, a I mean, and cause not only did you kill his hamster, you killed it in the pretty awful, gruesome way. So yeah, no, he is. And you, you broke into his house to do it. 
I, yeah. Even the fact that you're there to save your girlfriend, he didn't kidnap your girlfriend. He doesn't even know that your girlfriend has been kidnapped. So, but I just think like the fact that some programmer or programmers were like, okay, we're going to make it so that you can get his hamster, kill and cook it, and then serve it to him. And then the consequences for that action is that he kills you and your friends and you have to start the game over because there's lots of different ways to die in this game. There are lots of different dead ends. You can unfortunately save yourself into, and then victory becomes impossible, but just the, the fact that they took the time, like that's the kind of writing, right? That's what this universe is. This universe is one that a loss condition is trying to serve a militant teenager, his own hamster as a sandwich. And then he murders you. Yep. So if you're into that type of thing, um, <laughs> what do you think, man? Did it hold up? So I waffled between nostalgia monocle and full nostalgia goggles. And I settled on full nostalgia goggles because this game is the, at least for me, was the definition of all of the parts of this I like are the parts I remember <laughs> fondly, right? Mm. So, and and my my problem with that is I know that I don't particularly love adventure games, but because some of my favorite games are point-and-click adventure games, it's not that I just write off the whole genre. I just don't think this is a particularly good implementation of that genre. Like, there's too many verbs going through the inventory is a chore having to move the mouse with the D pad is a chore. Like maybe playing this on the PC version on like a big monitor where you have like more real estate would clean up some of that. Cause you can move the, the cursor faster. You can get through your inventory and all the verbs faster and experiment a little faster. But I just think they're on the wrong side of t- literally typing words into a box, like old fashioned text games were right it, it's it's closer genealogically to that than you would want from like a more modern game that will do a little bit of inference so here's the thing i actually really enjoyed playing this because i have super fond memories of it so if you have super fond memories of this game go for it G- even just to listen to the music go in put the hamster in the microwave get thrown in the dungeon push the brick feel super clever because you remembered where that brick is and like you know, burn an hour on it and have a good time. But like for anybody else, not only would I not say it's probably worth putting up with all the nonsense, but all of the other versions don't look like they really address because they even remade this game later. There's like a deluxe version or something I I hadn't even heard of, but it, it doesn't look like they did anything except make the graphics nicer. So yeah, probably pass and just listen to the soundtrack on YouTube, like full nostalgic goggles. <laughs> um so so I am also going to go with uh with full nostalgic goggles. Um it it you know I mean like is the game the, to me this game is actually like lawful evil in the sense of you know it like we kind of said you know th- it does so many things you're like oh my god this is such a slog but it's it's that's what it meant to do you know like that's what it wanted to do right you know it's it's hard to tell things apart from the background that's on purpose it's really easy to get uh to you know get Confused and turn around. That's on purpose, right? What I would say, honestly, is if you remember this game fondly, is I would say do one of two things. Or, or if you're like, oh, I never really got into Maniac Match and I'm thinking about giving it a shot, do one of two things. One, don't. Go go play and escape the room. You know, just go do that. You know, that that, that will scratch that same itch and, and, and do better. If you do really want to go and, and get into it, 
I mean, honestly, go get a nice leather-bound notebook and treat it like a true crime thing. And just really, uh, you got to go all in. This is this is not like a, you know, like, like you said, you could probably just queue it up for an hour and just kind of toss an hour or whatever. But like, if, you, if you're saying, no, I'm going to try this for the first time, then then go all all true crime story in on it right you know but uh honestly like did it hold up man i i i could push i could pull i could give i could open i could close i could go to i could get i could use i could read but ultimately i need a new kid the curtain falls the music plays the credits roll then it all fades to black and you're left by yourself the fanfare is gone there's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land. Battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creep in with the edge of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less on how you saved the day than on all the experience gained. Along for the ride.